Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep and show business. Uh, I'm exhausted and I'm not. I mean, it's uh, 2 in the morning here um, and I can't sleep yet again and I'm going to be up for four more hours. That's not too bad, but I've already been up, you know, well past where I want to be. And uh, I don't know, I'm going to have to go walk around the empty ship because I don't see this wearing off anytime soon. Um, three weeks, man, like 20 straight nights of being up until 6 a.m. And it's not like there's company, you know, it's not like there's, uh, it's my own place and it's not like things are open all night. I mean, things are, but whatever, um, you know, doing these ships, uh, is a whole different thing. Cause you can't just show up, be funny for your shows and then go back to your human mood and go back to your life. You kind of have to keep it you know smiling you know you're interacting still with guests people see you they may not talk but they're they're watching i mean they're boring people they do they're on cruise ships you know they're bored and they've run out of conversation essentially they've run out of conversation with their um koi bito their partner and so you know they're sitting there not talking at lunch at the pool at coffee at tea playing dominoes or cards and they're watching and um you kind of have to you know smile or like you, you got to be light you can't be very uh you can't stonewall them or give off like ogre body language which i can do so happy nice and funny are three different things happy nice and funny and on the cruise ship that's kind of what they need and want the comedian to be kind of but they will go with happy and nice f- first and second most first most f- first and foremost um even a lot of the modern comedy scene goes that way now where oh it's nice and like like you see people with specials and i'm like this isn't a funny person I'm, I'm it's great that they get along with kind of your vibe and stuff like that but there's nothing cutting edge here i'm, I'm glad that, glad they fill a role or that you could cast them and make them an industry darling and uh basically lie but whatever but i do in general need to smile more you know lie um so it's tough to do for a week or two after you've performed i had my last shows last night and then i've got two nights to go before i get on a uh, flight i think out of corfu greece an island off the western side and fly back i think i mean um these cruise ship people are watching you since they're on my okay i have that a cruise ship audience isn't looking to explore anything that's good they're not looking to question anything most of them never were in their lives they need um the comedy to be spoon-fed it needs to be about how things used to be and how crazy things are now you know trump won on that stance alone remember when you know that this and even if it wasn't exactly the way um he puts it it didn't need to have happened and he doesn't even need to succeed in bringing any of that back but you can always just claim the other side of the aisle is blocking society from moving in that direction and give the appearance that he's done everything he could to achieve how it was and then you can get elected and you don't need to show results okay um so the final leg of this cruise i was supposed to do six weeks i'm at five and it's a blessing man the final leg got canceled i could not care 
it was because I was supposed to go back to a ship I was on two ships ago or a ship ago. And that voyage is kind of <clears throat> still going on, so it would be a lot of the same people. Not all, but enough of the same people. So they're like, yeah, you already did two different show, four shows, but two different sets. And, uh, you know, they need to keep it fresh, especially because they're, they're almost done with their, like, six- or eight-week cruise. And so they're really going to be ornery and just kind of tough, tough. They'd really need that last injection going into the final run final leg of their long cruise out of Norway. They went around Norway and now England and they're going down to Gibraltar to close it out. Uh, I'm not sure why they booked me there and then to leave and then to come back. But I'm happy to cut it short. And Plus, I just lost my uh, my brother. Just lost his mother-in-law. Excuse me. So um, I'm going to go to Arizona for that next week. Um, and it'll be good to see my family. I, I don't know when the last time I've seen them. My brother and mom were out for a little while, but as far as extended family, I haven't seen them since the holidays last year. I haven't seen a fucking person I know uh, for like five weeks, you know. So I'm just a little um, on edge. Um, but so I'm happy to cut it short a week, and uh, it'll be good. I've been, re- Jesus, I've been reading Stephen King's book on writing, which if things are dark and you can't sleep, boy, Stephen King is, is the way that'll keep you connected to sanity huh um i was thinking a haunted house with only his books and their characters as a theme haunted house would be a great idea who can get on that do i know anybody after 20 years in showbiz i don't know anybody that can like help get that lit like a a stephen king themed haunted house would be cool you know people from salem's lot people from it people from carrie christine um you know uh, I don't. I get paranoid that people don't get easy sentences. Like when I just said um, a Stephen King themed haunted house, I get paranoid that nobody would understand that. So I tend to over-explain, right? Haunted house with only his books and characters. Is that understandable? I over-explain more and more because uh, I think society's gotten so dumb that what used to take one sentence now takes two or three, and it's not a language barrier. It's just like, oh wow, you don't get like. I was referencing Apocalypse Now, and somebody who's like 45 didn't know. No, and I was like, oh, God, come on. Uh, anyway, Stephen King's book is great. Uh, I've read probably close to 10 of his books, uh, mostly junior high. I've seen probably five <clears throat> of the movies. Um, you know, although Shawshank is probably the best and, well, my favorite, I think Shining, because it was. Kubrick might ha- might be the biggest in theaters, I think. I don't know, because I don't know that Shawshank did well in theaters. And Shawshank wasn't horror, was it? Other than being in a maximum security prison, getting sexually abused, wrongful conviction, and serving 20 years. Maybe. Uh, Firestarter was great. Read the book, saw the movie. The book was amazing. The movie's okay. Uh, Drew Barrymore's great. She's a little girl. But I love that book. That was about 84. I read that, junior high. Um, I think that was the first one of his I read. Um, there's a few I didn't read. I oh, I had a few at the house I never read. I think I had Pet Cemetery, but I don't think I read it. I don't know that I had Cujo. Um, that'd be a good haunted house character, Christine, of course, with the guy from Revenge of the Nerds. Um, I still want to read The Stand. I still want to read The Stand. It's kind of apocalyptic and you know whatever. Two men left in society. I don't know what's about, but. It's a long one. It's like seven or eight hundred, nine hundred pages. My seventh grade teacher at Los Alisos, 
Mr. Adams recommended The Stand way back when I was reading Firestarter. He was a hippie from the 60s and 70s, and that was, that you know, junior high, early 80s for me, that was when I think my actual memory meets what you've seen in history books and on TV. You know, sometimes, like, you see movies and you're like, how was it then? How was it then to your parents? And they're kind of, like, connecting their memory with what they're seeing in the current movie. And uh, for me, I think Mr. Adams was that. Like, when I look back, I'm like, oh, wow, I was connected to a late-stage hippie. Uh, You know, after all his antics in life he was you know his final chapter was who knows teaching english in south orange county at a public junior high school uh froed out hair dark sunglasses very lean probably about 50 at the time and that was 84 so born in 34 and that would put him at around 25 30 35 during the hippie generation born during the depression little kid for world war ii puberty or adolescence for korean war teenager as rock and roll is getting started then into college out of college for folk music vietnam civil rights some assassinations uh 15 20 years later right he's uh in in southern county at los alisos uh los alisos and is it Maryland's or rockfield Maryland's? but uh interesting run of events for sure um hippies oh my god hippies parents the parents of hippies were in world war ii is mind-blowing just so much happened so much so dense in just 10 15 years 20th century man um things are always happening of course but i don't think there will ever be another jump like the 100 year jump from 1900 to 2000 life in 1400 and life in 1700 pretty similar or life in 1100 to 1700 pretty similar once 1800 rolls around you know it's crazy you know it's it's just accelerated and it's happening too fast these phones that everybody has computers and calculators and phones in their hands at all times um it's too much for our brains man it's too much for us as adults that know what life was without them what's it like for a kid that's never known life without them uh even if we had our own spaceships tomorrow the difference between 2023 and 2000 would um not be as great as what we saw from 1900 to 2000 uh no what mr adams no way he didn't smoke there's no way um like cigarettes and just he was a very romantic figure and i'm obviously you know looking at it through the lens of an 11 year old um 40 years ago remember when you knew if someone smoked and it didn't matter or if a teacher smoked because i remember we had a few teachers with like kind of yellow fingernails or teeth and it just didn't matter professors school teachers grade school it's got to be rare now who still smokes cigarettes i just don't see it um mr adams couldn't believe when i was reading the great gatsby in the seventh grade i read the great gatsby he talked about it at a parent teacher conference unbeknownst to me how a kid in the class was reading that and my parents knew it was me because you know i had the book at home and stuff and they knew it was me, and they must have been so proud, man, so happy. They were probably looking at each other when he's like, we got a kid in this class. And my dad came home and told me, he mentioned you, you know. Uh, but they deserved it, man. They could have used it, right? Having the oldest, um, God, what a load they carried. 
but I will say they didn't process. Like, I think they just plowed through. I think back then you plowed through and they were like, okay, they did not process. Had they stopped and processed, I think it would have overwhelmed them. I think they just kept driving, man. They moved out here and I don't know, maybe the stress caught up with them later and now they're dealing with it. Well, my dad's passed, but who knows? Um, but great, great job, folks. Great job, parents. Mom, Dad, Jerry, Peg, Keen. Anyway, Stephen King, Salem's Lot, horrified me as a kid. Carrie, the movies. Uh, yeah, there's a horror. Never in those. Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek was in Carrie. And like Glenn Close or Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs, um, those are tough roles to get past in the eye of the viewer. Like, those are tough. You have to move on because people associate you with that role for so long. All three of those people did very well. Um, and went on to great careers. But uh, anyway, Salem's Lot was horrifying. I, don't, I didn't read that book. It's vampires visiting some town in Massachusetts. And he's from Maine, right? So he's like a Boston Red Sox fan. So a lot of that stuff takes place in Maine, just like the um, Grisham stuff takes place in whatever, Tennessee. Um, and down that way. Stephen King... Yeah, yeah, Salem's Lot. Just I just remember like c- cemeteries and coffins and I don't know, open graves. Oh, dude, horrified. I remember that movie. Yeah, I was like eighty three, eighty four. And Carrie, those were his two first two books. I read Needful Things in college when I was in Japan. It was like nine hundred pages, like Moby Dick. Dick. It took half a year. Shogun. I read that was like eleven hundred. Uh, that was Clavel though. That wasn't. Um, God, this this podcast has got to put people to sleep. I'm now talking about books that will put you to sleep. Shogun wasn't his Clavel. Yeah, about 900, no, about 1,100 pages, all about uh, the Meiji Restoration, 1868 in Japan, where they kind of, like The Last Samurai, it was like flipping from, uh, right, the samurai age into the modern age, and then from 1868 to frickin' 1945, that 80-year period of Japan is fascinating. That whole militaristic going to China, going to Korea, going to Vietnam, going to the Philippines, that expansion. Dude, where, where do you get off? They couldn't be more different now, the Japanese. Maybe business-wise. Um, I feel like Andy Dufresne getting out of L.A. after 20 years. And the problem was in L.A. The problem was me in L.A., that combination and it's not that it was a problem not that it was a problem at all you learn you live you survive but um you do there is freedom probably from wherever you leave from after you've been there a while but it's just intense and the combination of me la mixed with absolute non-focus is what did it i mean the main focus was there the stand-up but you you got to continue to get specific on what you want and you got to fight off that just floating mentality right that wandering mentality chaos is not freedom because i did lose a lot of time i lost a relationship i lost specific opportunities but you you get to be on the big stage in la you get seen by plenty of people and you make incredible connections so um all right back to back to stephen king misery that slipped in there yeah yeah when that got made i was like oh my god that's james Conn out of nowhere i remember seeing misery and it took me a few scenes before going oh my god that's that's James Conn, because he wasn't in a ton of stuff at that point, right? That, that brought him back a bit, that movie, because uh, it wasn't a masculine role or a sex symbol role, you know? I think he'd said no to a lot of stuff coming into the 80s. 
I knew him from Brian's song, The Godfather, maybe. Uh, something with him and Sally Fields, Jeff Bridges, where he dies, comes back, kiss me goodbye or something. Um, dies and comes back to make sure she's okay. His ex-wife, Sally Fields. Not his ex-wife, but his widow, Sally Field. She's marrying uh, Jeff Bridges, and Jeff Bridges the whole time is like, what's going on here? She's talking to her ghost, former husband. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Bridges... Or, uh, James Conn, man, really charming on camera. Played football at Michigan State. Was a boxer as well. I mean, come on, tough guy. Born on March 27th. Um, from the Bronx. I want to do a James Conn con. I think that'd be fun. A James Conn con and just people dress up like their favorite James Conn character. I don't know if people know enough movies. Godfather, Bottle Rockets would be fun. With all the blood pellets. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, okay, had a show last night. A lot of new material. Material, well, a lot of new stuff with stuff that I just don't use much. And I was really nervous. And uh, there's just nowhere to run with these gigs. You know, college and cruise ship and corporate gigs, you, you're being paid. You're being paid well, usually. So you have to keep it professional. But you can't bail on bits. In clubs, you can kind of swear, make fun of the town. You can bail whatever talk you know those wait staff get going to the crowd a little bit swear but you've got but but you got to make it work at these other things like like a club club you have room to kind of air whatever good problems to have as my brother says okay uh audiences get detached okay audiences get detached on a cruise ship because they've been gone they've been away from home a long time so their frame of reference becomes the ship more and more the ship life where were they the day before what are they eating what's their schedule like what are they reading uh what happened that day okay when you have people at a club um you know their real life is just outside that wall they were at home an hour ago they'll be home in two hours or three hours but the ship takes them to fantasy land and a lot of the references can get a little cloudy about five percent maybe ten percent because you know they're 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 out of sorts so that written prepared stuff you have stocked away is going to hit a little less after people have been gone away from their home on a ship for a while so you need to kind of replace some of that stuff with immediate ship stuff that can get them to laugh that can tickle their brain um but problem is more and more your set evolves into a cruise ship mode which is an ideal i can't take cruise ship jokes anywhere else Uh, you know i can't put them on tv really or put them in a club act so you know just got to keep writing and have different um jokes for different folks um got to see toulon france boating town some military ships small it was a funny way to see france for the first time was so mellow it's like there's a little area that you go and i was like okay cool um Genoa, Italy was better because it was like a town. It was a city. You know, Columbus is from there. Big, a lot of Buckeye fans. Old buildings, food, drink, just just amazing. I, I really like Genoa. Um, Toulon, Toulon was, there wasn't much. Um, we were supposed to go to Livono. Weather kept us out, so we do, detoured. We're going to Messina, Sicily. We're going to Messina, Sicily. Have you Messina before? Uh, then Greece, out of Corfu, Greece on Saturday. As much as I love seeing these countries, it's so weird only getting half a day in them. Uh, you get half a day, and then you're gone by nightfall. 
uh, all the while you're concerned with, you know, your show. So it's mentally and physically taxing. You hate to have a show the night um, of hitting a town you want to see. That sucks. Because you're like, I really should get ready for these shows and kind of take myself through them. And it can be a distraction to get off the ship and, and all that. But again, good problems. Even when the shows go well on a ship... Um, you still have to be on the ship with the people you performed for for another few days, a week, sometimes two weeks. Uh, am I too old or to want or need any of this anymore? God, I must have been in a bad mood. Am I too old to want or need any of this anymore? Don't know what else to do at this point. But I'm glad I'm wondering, you know, I'm glad I'm wondering what the hell else I'll do as a comic. I'm glad as a comic I can ask that question instead of someone working in shipping industry. That'd be a bummer if I were still in shipping in Oakland, right? Wondering, oh my God, what else can I do? Can I get into stand-up comedy at 50 to be shipping still and wish I'd at least tried this? Oh God, that would be dark, man. Uh, It's fun. These European countries, very specific, yet all get along, you know? You know, I didn't see war now between France, Germany, England, Spain... Um, Greece, really. You cross the borders between Spain, Italy, Germany, and they're right next to each other, but still so specific, right? So much bloodshed over the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Art museums. European history, I've found, has more warring war paintings than Persia, Turkey, Byzantine, Middle East, Asian, African, Native American, Mongolian, all that stuff. I've always thought most violent came in European art, which I didn't realize. I just thought, growing up that's what you see you see mostly european art uh growing up and then you start exploring and traveling and seeing the world and seeing other forms of art you know in japan in china um you know in wherever australia in canada in the west and you're like oh my god this is not even as violent as the stuff i thought it would be even worse um i guess since it was always white people and i'm white i didn't notice I just thought it was normal. Um, Okay, from violence to violence. Uh, Let's talk Middle East. Where are we here? Let's talk to... Okay, we got about eight minutes. Um, If Israeli foreign policy and Zionism wants to keep doing it, they're going to keep doing it. If the U.S. wants... Where did I just... What's the segue here? If the U.S. wants to keep sitting by, then accept the fact... The U.S. is complicit in this and now opens the door for terrorism coming back to our door. Yeah, we really are, um, by being complicit in all this, opening that up again. Uh, Like I'm flying from Greece to the U.S. this weekend. Um, And I believe that's the route in the movie Delta Force that the PLO hijacks. Chuck Norris and Lee Marvin have to come to the rescue. Um, I'm not sure if they were going to the States. I think because it was a long flight. Everybody's getting on. It was a long international flight. I don't think it was just Greece to England. I think it was Greece back to the States. There was a lot of Americans on board that would be hostages. Um, But that kind of stuff's back on the table now, if we force Palestinians into desperation anymore. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. I think they seem seem more strategic now and not not that. And I, I don't know if you could coordinate that like you could and that was a movie okay Lifshitz uh is one of the most recent hostages released they had a quote on bbc on the screen in print it was fixed on the screen 
so not necessarily a ticker, but it just said Hamas treated us gently and met all our needs. I wrote that down word for word. She said that. Uh, she also said it was a horrifying nightmare, naturally, but she was only describing the transition process. You know, there's no way it's not going to be horrifying. Once in custody, though, in a lockdown situation, how is the treatment at that point? Because once you're becoming a civilian to prisoner, of course that's going to be horrible, the shock, even if it's in a nice SUV and taken to a nice hotel. But that's what they were trying to do. But um, but once you're in actual custody and in lockdown, how is the treatment there? It seems like it was good, as good as it could be. I mean, you're kidnapped, but you're also trying to explain the situation of the hostages <clears throat> and why it's happening, <coughs> I would assume. But this gently and met our needs, in quote, that would never happen with a Palestinian prisoner of war uh, if the Israelis had them. That would never be the quote. Uh, the prisoners slept on mattresses in tunnels. Well, I mean, that's the way Palestinians have to sleep always. I mean, I, I just don't understand how people don't understand what Israel's doing to Palestinians on a daily basis. Uh, Palestinians cannot leave. They cannot leave their country. Um, you can't get in. You can't get out. Uh, they can't just go to other Arab countries. They can't go live in Europe. They can't go study in the States. Um, a land raid into Gaza by Israel with soldiers on the ground will be straight hell for every human. Every single human, every family. Palestinians are prepared for death and destruction. Are Israeli soldiers with a wife and family behind in a nice cozy suburb waiting for them? Are they prepared for this? No. Uh, these emergency rooms in Gaza are very depressing, just constantly at capacity. Gaza is more densely populated than Tokyo, which I can't believe, um, but it's true. And you think, screw it, it's their problem, right? Uh, Palestinians, man, it, they're just so screwed. Just getting squeezed right off the map. After all this history we're aware of, all this talking we do about being good people and evolving and being happy that war is a thing of the past, uh, America being the best. You know, we go to church uh, on Sundays. All the time we spend in church, all the talking we do, the Christian this, Christian that, all the knowledge we have of past dictators, conquerors, injustices, all the books, documentaries, movies, stories we're raised on, and nothing for Palestine. Nothing. All the heroes we're raised on, the superhero movies that just come out every fucking month, right? The hero complex Americans have as a nation. First responders, flag-waving we do. Nothing for Palestine. We want to be the underdog. Us in Israel still cling to woes us, woes us, we're the underdog, we're the black sheep. Do we ever ask why we were attacked on 9-11? What caused other cultures to go that far to do that? They went pretty far, okay? It's pretty extensive. They're Arabs, right? Why should we care? Why should we help? All this money to Israel and Ukraine. Jesus Christ was a Palestinian Jew. We're such hypocrites, right? We like our Jesus white, and we like him holding a machine gun. Uh, and I had hinted on a previous episode that Fox may be a little more objective uh, and fiscally concerned, so they're like, nah, let's stay out of this thing. Oh, no, they're not. That was so silly of me. They're as big a whores as CNN and MSNBC, the three whores together. 
uh, Anderson Cooper shedding tears over 1,500 Israelis, but not 7,000 Palestinians. Um, because they just they just came out with a list. I know there were one. They were like, "Oh, they're fudging the names." Well, they got names. They're fudging the numbers. You can't fudge names, but they're fudging the names, the numbers, and they just came out with a list of uh, the seven thousand. Um, you know, or the or the ones killed every day, week, month since nineteen forty seven. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis posts a picture of what she thinks is an Israeli child, baby, covered in bomb shrapnel, and once she finds out that she made a mistake it was actually a palestinian baby she takes it down so embarrassing on all fronts she's lobbying already for that second oscar um she just won her first this year wasn't she but it looks so bad it's a bad look to israel um to israel the people in the states supporting you are only doing it for career and social circle's sake right they don't care they're careerists uh I can't believe this is adults. It's like high school, high school fad. So much of my Hollywood circle is great, but they're uninformed twats and weak and scared and needy. And so they're not Jewish or Israeli, but they post in the hope to get likes and recognition. You know, hey, remember when I did that? Fit in all that crap. Because they haven't read. They haven't done the research. They only see what is being posted by people that can maybe get them work. Uh, if it's American or Israeli deaths, the world stops. But for every one of those, 100 Arab or Palestinian deaths don't matter. It's gross. Uh, and in the final analysis, if we ever bother to take a step back, or if in 100 or 200 or 1,000 years we bother to look at this point in history, it'll be glaring and disgusting. Uh, and Palestinians, Palestine's prepared. They knew when they set sail on October 7th what Israel's response would be. They knew it would be all out, and every one of them knows they could die in the next hour and not see a family member again. So it's pathetic and comical when the narrative is, um, you know, oh, you're going to get it now. Merciless from here on out, please. It's been merciless since 1947. So they're just like, yeah, let's take it to a head. Um, it's funny, people get along with me and they say I'm a nice guy and they hear this opinion and all of a sudden they're like, what's the matter? Man? What, like, uh, and it's like, why does something have to be the matter? I haven't changed. My judgment's bad? What? We're friends. It must be good. Am I a badge of judge of characters? For, 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 for like, I'm fair, so I'm fair on this one too. Nothing's changed. It's just you're the one that's uninformed, man. You know, L.A., LA people coming at me um, I'm not misinformed on these other issues I, I don't I don't talk about things that I don't have any information on yeah I don't have the audacity or the call I only talk about this much because I've done so much research over the last 15 years you know but all of a sudden with this issue it's like oh he's, he's not a good person anymore you wonder how much of the truth will make it into the future you know if things ever settle down or whatever what will get buried, what will just go away, and they'll be like, oh, it's just a misunderstanding, and people won't be held accountable. How much of the truth do we want to make it to the future? I hope all of it. Most of it? A lot? I hope all of it, but who knows how much or how little. At least our grandparents took on these issues, right? Our parents, when they were young, um, took it on, I guess. Kind of had no choice. World War II. Now things can just be covered over. Uh, I just mind my business and do my job. You just have to get everyone looking away a little bit, and you can do whatever crimes you want, right? Just a blind eye here and there, 
and total dismissal of all responsibility, buck passing, desensitization, so that you don't have to be doing much to be contributing to the problem and perpetuating the cycle by just buying that product, eating that food, ignoring that issue, right? Conscience isn't affected because you're not the one pulling the trigger. That's further down the trough somewhere else, right? You're just doing this. How's, how's that contributing? I'm just buying that product. Read about, read about this stuff. Read about Rachel Corey someday, an American girl, college age, about goes over to help the Palestinians rebuild homes, rebuild community, help society, kind of, uh, you know, Peace Corps type stuff. Uh, be involved. Shed light on it. Spotlight it. She gets murdered, run over by Israelis in an American-made Caterpillar tractor standing up in front of a Palestinian neighborhood home trying to prevent the bulldozing. It runs right over her. America does nothing. Her family gets nothing. Her parents tried to sue for no money. They actually had to make an amount, so they made it $1 because they were trying to show we don't care about the money. So we're just suing for $1. Uh, And nothing went through. They got nothing. A movie was made about her, blocked from being released. These problems didn't exist there like this, pre-1947. There was a society. There wasn't a ghetto. No wealth, no international support. It's over. Uh, Where's proof of the cases of rape and the baby beheadings? You can just say that. We're almost done, guys. Um, You can just come out and say that. Just put it out in the the ether. Like scumbag Karl Rove did about John McCain in 2000, saying he's mentally unfit for for president because of his time as a war prisoner. How do networks still bring on that criminal, Karl Rove? Talking shit about a war veteran? We love our veterans so much... That's how we treat them, right? Rove gets to slander his name, and Trump gets to call him a loser for getting captured. <laughs> we elected one of them president. Like, oh, my God. But back to the rape. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen anything. I know they have a woman who had blood on her backside, but that was most likely from sitting in it because it was on her. Yeah, I, I think she was clothed. I read. Uh, also, the German tattoo artist, female, bra pulled up, could mean a lot of different things. She didn't have a lot of clothes on, but I'm told that was her style. I don't know how we know all this. She was a, a German tattoo artist living in Israel. Artist, gypsy ask maybe didn't wear panties. I, I don't know. Um, neither of these are enough to say Hamas was raping. That was just like right out of the gate. Oh, raping, beheadings. Like, it was still going on. It, they're not pirates on a joyride. They're there for a specific purpose, to liberate their land and people. That's the mission. Not destroying Israel, but liberating themselves. How self-absorbed are you, Israel, that you're like, oh, they're into our destruction. They're into their own freedom and independence, man. They want to settle. They've been trying to settle since the early 70s. Arab nations have been trying to settle since then. And then in 93, they know full well they cannot destroy Israel. This attack was specific for a specific purpose. If this attack was a shock to you, you're a child. And you had no idea what was happening in Palestine for the last 70 years or even 15 to 20 years. This isn't a shock with the way Israel was occupying Gaza and the West Bank. Nor should it be a shock in the States every time we have a mass shooting. There's going to be another one, right? Surprise, probably before Christmas, unfortunately. All right, let's look at the logistics of rapes. 
Israel runs a tight ship, okay, save for the attack they just allowed happened two weeks ago. They run a tight ship. So Hamas, in these kidnappings, had to act fast, all right? They didn't have time to sit and dwell and rape, you know, they had to get hostages back into Gaza quickly before the IDF got on, off their, got on their ass, got on their... Because I'm sure it didn't take long. Israel was, was responding. Right? Men and women serve there. Boom. They're on it. You didn't have time to rape. So, yeah. Also, I cannot imagine raping in that scenario. Right? I'd have to pop so many Viagra. And even then, I don't know that they'd work. And you're really jeopardizing the mission if you're taking extra time. I just don't believe it, man. And their mission isn't torture. That's not, you know, they're not trying to get information. Okay, Israelis do that. The Israeli soldiers, when they try to get information, they torture. So the raping um, must have happened, yeah, once they got there. If the raping happened, then that would have happened back into Gaza. Okay. They were secured, locked down location. And if that happened, then how the fuck would Israel even know about it? How would the West know about it? We wouldn't. We wouldn't. Uh, At no point does Netanyahu Netanyahu say, we want peace for both sides. That's just never come out of his mouth, man. There must be destruction now, uh, is what he wants. He knows this is his time for annexation. They don't want those hostages released because that gives them less reason to put foot on the gas. Yeah. Yeah. I read today that uh, they actually didn't, they were kind of delaying those two other people getting released. Who knows? There's so many opinions. Even this, even what I'm saying. Um, That hostage. And that hostage. uh, Oh, the, the older lady that got out. Yeah. If she were tortured, why it would be all over the news. But clearly, she wasn't tortured while in custody because it would be all over the place. And Hamas is smarter than you think. They're not going to torture a chick and then send her back so that we can put that on broadcast. They're not going to rough her up. But I believe her closing words with Hamas were peace. The word peace or peace be with you and then a handshake. I think they have it on camera. I saw some, some footage and then they had that documented. So, in conclusion, uh, sorry it's taken this is taking so long, and I can't believe I'd have any listeners at this point. Um, we're allowed to criticize Trump, Biden, Hillary, Obama, Bush. We can criticize them all we want, but you criticize Netanyahu, and there's blowback. How dare we? Something weird and wrong about that. Something weird and wrong about being afraid to do that. Um, it's not even in this country. But I think it's changing more. People are becoming more aware. Um, Jewish people non-Jewish people, Americans, worldwide, especially with the slaughter of Gaza going on. More people are being unapologetic. You know, he's licking his chops at being able to get, go in and do this. 1,400 Israeli deaths make this such an easy sell for him. He will blow those numbers out of the park and get away with it. It's up to 7,000, I think, now. Um, and the, the narrative from the West, dipshittery White House, we doubt those numbers. Can you not open with that? Do you have any diplomatic skills? How about we want peace for both sides. We want them living side by side in peace the best they can. Many have been killed on both sides, tragically. We want to minimize deaths. We want to confirm body count, you know, and and, and whatever, be fair. Don't just come out and say, we doubt those numbers. Biden, and who's the, who's the jackass they had? Um, 
today that I saw in the press conference with his tie. Uh, they're saying Palestinians exaggerating. What's the if they're exaggerating? What are they exaggerating by a thousand, five hundred? Okay, yeah. I mean, he's going to kill. They're not. They're not exaggerating by seven thousand. All right. He's going to kill ten times what was lost a couple of weeks ago in Israel. Ten times. All right. So fourteen hundred. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, it'll be fourteen thousand. I'll be exaggerating. I'll be. I'd be exaggerating too to gain international favor if I were Palestine. Yeah. Um. Maybe you know the hospital administrators in America exaggerated trying to get more funding for ventilators during COVID. And any bomb blocking with your own kids that they talk of in the West, that we we accuse uh, Palestinians of. No culture is blocking with their kids. We're still using lies that were used against Native Americans, that were used against Vietnamese. If anything, people would do that for the cameras to show the West or whatever country's watching in a last appeal. Look, our children and babies are dying with us. If you keep doing this, they'll die. Like, they're getting them on camera. Please recognize they're not covering up a bomb with a baby. Jesus, dude. These aren't cowards. I mean... We couldn't handle one-tenth of one percent of what these people deal with on an hourly basis. And we're calling them cowards while we're watching TV from very comfortable homes. We turn around and say, oh my God, can you believe these people are blocking our bombs with their offspring? How dare they? They're stopping our bombs. So dark. If there's any good that I can take solace in, it's that Palestinians have already made peace with their time on the planet and they knew this was all coming when they planned this you know they're throwing themselves at the mercy of the international court in the hope to get something in the u.s we look like a monkey fucking a football trying to protect all our financial backroom and front room deals with israel right it's all it is has nothing to do with judaism or islam or christianity or catholicism it has nothing to do with it you know it easy placeholder terms uh netanyahu wants to blast away while there's still momentum from the attacks two weeks ago he knows he'll lose a ton of soldiers if they go into gaza on the ground that could mess with support from israel who's very upset with him and and the administration that this even happened so he needs to kind of tread lightly in respect to actually invading gaza um so we'll see about the ground invasion support Half of Gaza's 2.2 million are below the age of 18. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's an open-air prison. Half of them are kids. So carte blanche for Israel and Netanyahu, and they want everyone to get tired of this, right? They want everyone to get tired of it so that our short American flavor of the week attention spans can go back to ESPN and Netflix, right? What needs to happen is not only a ceasefire, um, but lifting of the blockade, um, the occupation needs to be lifted and massive immediate humanitarian aid. We're already so late on this. Massive um, immediate humanitarian aid needs to go into rebuild, uh, international aid, and monitoring just so it's not just Israel watching over them. My God, that's what led us to the problem. Yeah, they need their own space and their own government and all that. Um, 
so I don't know if the two-state solution works or if it's just going to be one one piece. Is Israel a theocracy? I mean, if you needed a, a, a place for one religion, then do what you did with the Vatican. Boom. And have it much smaller and give Palestinians more space. But this is just ridiculous. And it has nothing to do with Judaism anyway. Um, and America, we just eat it up like it's Cracker Barrel. You know, and now we're under the shooting and all this stuff in Maine. Uh, anyway, you can read about all of this in my joke book, The Patrick Keene Collection, available on Amazon. So check it out. Um, so thank you, Stephen King, for the episode. All right, guys. Way too long. See you next time on the Keen on Things podcast. Cheers. Love you.